is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, You've been watching the hysteria all day on TV, listening to it all day on radio, and you see you have to take sides now. Either you attack President Trump or you're a fraud and a sycophant who never stood for anything, and... Uh, you're sympathetic to the Russians. Or either you defend Donald Trump, or if you don't, you want Trump to fail. And people are rushing out, writing their columns, and tweeting, and putting stuff on Facebook, and running on TV. And first of all, who cares what most of these people say? I despise most of the politicians who are speaking. When Trump was tough on North Korea, they accused him of wanting to go to nuclear war. So there are elements in our society, many of whom are on television and radio, most of whom lead the Democrat Party, who want this president to fail. So no matter what came out of this, they were going to trash him. There are elements within the Republican Party who are no different. They're never Trumpers. And they go directly to them, Jeff Flake, people like that. And then there are the malcontents, like Bob Corker, who couldn't run for re-election because he couldn't get elected dog catcher. There are the neocons out there. If we don't go to war, if we aren't aggressively intervening here, there, and everywhere else, then, of course, uh, we're giving up the legacy of Reagan, which is a lie. Reagan never believed in that, and he never did it. Then there's people who have some legitimate questions. And are trying to figure out what to make of all this, the Trump-Putin press conference and so forth. I would just suggest to you, you're not going to get much information today on television or radio that will help you draw conclusions as you wish to draw them. So you have to do what you always do, think for yourself. Now, I told you Friday when these indictments came down with these 12 Russians that this was a joke. I spent exactly three minutes on it. Why? Because they're never going to see the inside of an American courtroom. That's why. These, ha- these matters, as I explained then, are handled on a counterintelligence basis. And yet we have criminalized this. So we have these phony indictments. 29-page indictment. And yet... Mr. Mueller and his team indicted these 12 Russians. I don't care about these 12 Russians. I don't. The one person they didn't indict was the 13th person, Vladimir Putin. You've been told all day that the Russians interfered with our election. I've argued that they've interfered with our election, too. I believe it, and I'm sure they did, because that's what they do. They're no damn good. So you have people in the Russian military and intelligence services interfering in our election? Of course Vladimir Putin knew about it. So why didn't Mr. Tough Guy Robert Mueller indict Vladimir Putin? Why aren't the Democrats today who are howling like a bunch of coyotes, why aren't they insisting that Mueller should have indicted Putin? Why isn't Trey Gowdy back to his old games? Why isn't he yelling that Mueller should have indicted Putin? 
or Jeff Flake or any of the rest of them, all the tough guys, all the neocons, why aren't they saying it? Because they like Mueller, because they want him to take out Trump. That's why. Let's be honest. So I have this joke, the indictment of these 12 Russians, which adds up to nothing. Nothing will ever happen to them. Zero. And yet we're told Putin interfered with our election. Yet, yet, Mr. Rosenstein's not doing a damn thing about it. Mr. Mueller's not doing a damn thing about it. Putin is free to travel as he wishes and so forth and so on. Why don't they put their money where their mouth is? Why don't they put the indictment where it belongs if they're going to start indicting Russians? Why not indict the kingpin, the mob boss? See, I'm not a code pink Republican. I have nothing but contempt for Putin. But they didn't. And nobody's criticizing them but me. All the tough guys out there, where are they? Where are all the articles, the commentary, in the Wall Street Journal, and the National Review? Where are they? That Putin should have been indicted. Where are they? I don't see them. All right. Now, our intelligence agencies. The question that was put to the President of the United States was an inappropriate question. He's standing there with a the leader of another country. And the media are out to play games constantly to put him on the spot. Now, they interfere with the election. Do you believe your intelligence agencies or do you believe Mr. Putin? Now, we've been told day in and day out that our intelligence agencies cannot be trusted, that they lied to get us into the war in Iraq. Right? It goes all the way back to the 70s, really, with the church committee and the CIA. But all of a sudden, the liberals love our intelligence agencies. Why? Because one of them was headed by a former communist who is a nasty, incompetent buffoon by the name of John Brennan. And the Russians interfering in our election. And I'm the one who pointed it out first, and I'll point it out over and over again. When did the Russians interfere with the 2016 election? Uh, In 2016? Who was president of the United States? Uh, Barack Obama? Who was the head of the CIA? John Brennan? Who was the national intelligence director? James Clapper? Who was head of the Department of Justice? Loretta Lynch? Who was head of the FBI? Jim Comey. Right before him, who was head of the FBI? Robert Mueller. How is it? How is it that after all this time, two years, the Russians are interfering with our election, and I believe it, and I know it to be true, and the people who did next to nothing about it are never held to account. They're sitting on the sidelines attacking the President of the United States or attacking Devin Nunes in the Intelligence Committee or attacking Jim Jordan or attacking one of those guys. The Trump campaign is the victim. Now, how do we know that? Because after two damn years, there have been no charges based on collusion with the Russians. And they refuse to investigate Obama and his crowd when it comes to collusion with the Russians. So we need to get all this on the table. Now, let me tell you something. If I wanted to be loved by the media today, I would do what some of these conservatives so-called are doing today. I'd run to my keyboard and trash the president. And claim that I have a higher moral authority. 
That's how they make their cred. You know, that guy, he might be a winger, but he really is. He's balanced, he's solid, but he calls him as he sees him. She does a good job, too. She does the... No, they don't. They position themselves. They want publicity. They want attention by the New York Times and the Washington Post. I know who they are. I know what they do. I've seen it my entire career. And you know what? They're going to be flashes in the pan when they keep this up. What's required today is a sober analysis of what's taking place. Sober reasoning. I don't agree with everything the president said today. I also don't believe it's the end of the world. I'll tell you why. Because he has said things that I don't agree with with respect to Red China. He's been a hundred times tougher on Red China than Obama ever was. He's a hundred times tougher on Red China than George W. Bush ever was. He's a hundred times tougher on China than the Democrat Party or the media want him to be. And yet he'll say things like, Xi is my friend and I get along with this guy and blah, blah, blah. North Korea. We still have nuclear subs off of North Korea. We still have aircraft carrier, a fleet, more than a fleet, three fleets off of North Korea. So the president said some things during the press conference that people didn't like. I didn't much care for. But he didn't withdraw our military. He didn't withdraw our military. They're still there. He's done more on North Korea than the last five presidents combined, as far as I'm concerned. They gave up their ship. What the hell? North Korea has nukes. Why do you think they have nukes? Because every president in recent history, before the current president, made it possible for them to have nukes. They were all snookered one after another. One after another. Now, I said to my wife when I was listening to all this, you know what's funny about all this? We do not have the foggiest idea what was discussed during those two hours between these two men. We have no idea. No idea. President Trump could have been very tough on Putin. Who knows? But here's what I do know. When he publicly, publicly condemned NATO for failing to spend the amount of money that's necessary to spend to defend Europe and defend the United States, he was trashed for that. Why? 2% of GDP? Then he even suggested 4%. And he even said, the President of the United States, obviously most of this is meant to protect you and us from Russia. He spoke specifically to the Germans. And he said to their foreign minister, you're buying 70% of your natural gas from Russia. You shut down your nuclear plants and you expect us to help pay more for your defense. He essentially said you're owned and bought for by the Russians. Does that help Russia? No. When he makes those remarks and he's pressuring Germany and he's pressuring NATO, even at the macro level, as he's building up the United States military, 
Does that help Russia? Does that mean he's a uh, he's in uh, bed with Vladimir Putin? Again, I'm not saying I agree with everything that the president said today. I certainly don't. But I'm not going to run around and, uh, and and say, woe is me, woe is me. The end has come. The end hasn't come. He gave lethal defensive weapons to the Ukraine when Obama would not. When Russia invaded eastern Ukraine, Obama did next to nothing. Minuscule sanctions. The sanctions Trump has put in place are ten times more powerful than Barack Obama ever did. He's returning United States armor to Germany. He's forward deployed brigades to the Baltics, which are constantly being threatened by Putin. He's not only strengthening NATO, he's expanding NATO to the chagrin of the quote-unquote anti-globalists out there. He's lifted the ban on exporting oil, so some of these European countries will rely less on Russia. He's confronted Russia and Syria. Obama drew a red line. Trump didn't even draw a red line. He just said, cut it out, and they wouldn't cut it out. And as you know, on two occasions, he's acted militarily. And Trump hasn't done a single thing to stop the investigation of Robert Mueller, despite all the attacks on the man that is on Trump. He hasn't done a thing. And he could. But he hasn't. Not a thing. And so what happens is those in the media, those in the quasi-media, those trying to draw attention to themselves, know that the president is not the most articulate spokesman for his own policies. And so they jump on his tweets, they jump on his statements, they pretend he hasn't taken these actions, they provide no context whatsoever, none. And now everybody's in a fury. Do you know that the president believes Putin over our own intelligence agencies? The same intelligence agencies that the Democrats used to trash day in and day out. And I might add, the same intelligence agencies where senior officials, senior officials interfered with the last election. The same FBI where senior officials interfered with the last election. Many of the voices you hear today, you don't trust the intelligence agencies? have no qualms whatsoever with the fact that the Obama administration interfered with the last election. None. None. Of this, there is no question. I've got a lot more to say. I'll be right back. Lovin. really draw your attention. But you see how even conservatives play into this. You don't have to agree with everything the president said. You can even be critical of it. 
But we really do take our eye off the ball here. And many so-called conservatives and pseudo-conservatives don't have a problem with that. The Russians did interfere with our election. They interfered with our election during the administration of Barack Obama. When John Brennan was the CIA director. When James Clapper was the National Intelligence Director. When Jim Comey was the FBI director. When Loretta Lynch was the Attorney General of the United States. It's not the first time the Russians have attempted to interfere with our election either. And why is it that Donald Trump is taking more heat for this than Barack Obama? Why is it there's a special counsel investigating Trump world and not Obama world? After all this time, there's not been a leak that shows a connection. There's not been an indictment that shows a connection. There's been nothing. Why is it said that Trump is weak on Russia when Trump is 10 times tougher on Russia than Obama ever was? Because of things that Trump said? Well, you want to hear something that was said just a couple years ago by Barack Obama? That did not reach the point, apparently, where Corker and Flake and, and the networks and the cable shows and so forth were much offended at all. Stay with me. I'll play it for you. We'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Now, I understand there will be those out there who say, look, look, we're focused on Trump. Why do you want to talk about Obama? I want to talk about both. Because the hypocrisy, in fact, the bald-faced lying is, is so obvious that you have to talk in context. One of the articles I read by a buddy of mine where he's just trashing the hell out of Trump, that's fine, but he doesn't put anything in there about what Trump has actually done to Russia. Which is far and away more than Obama ever did. Now, can you imagine Donald Trump standing up there at a press conference with Putin and just giving him a tash, a, a lung, a, a, a tongue lashing? I got it. Tongue lashing? Why would he have gone to Helsinki to do that? You can do that over the phone. And then the Democrats would be saying what a uh, foreign policy illiterate Donald Trump is. See, he could never win with the Democrats. He can never win with the never-Trumpers either. They're always sitting there with their traps. And, of course, with the neocons. Can't win with them either. And the neocons have nothing to do with a uh, traditional Reagan approach to foreign policy and defense. Nothing. They're excessive, in my humble opinion. But there are those of us who are traditional Reagan conservatives who do believe in a very strong defense, but to use it very wisely. To use it very wisely. Well, what was Trump doing there in the first place with Putin? I don't know. Why did Nixon go to China and stand with Mao, who killed 50 million people? Why did Barack Obama go to Cuba and stand there with uh, Raul Castro? And he was celebrated for it. Why did Margaret Thatcher meet with Gorbachev? They didn't know much about Gorbachev and then suggest that Reagan do the same thing. 
the meetings in and of themselves are not controversial, are they? But some people want to make them controversial. That is, the meeting with Putin and Trump. Now, I have gotten behind this microphone for many, many years and condemned Putin. He's been in power, I think, 18 years, something like that. And the regime over there, warning people. This is not our friend, he's our enemy. And he is our enemy. And the president knows he's our enemy. That's why he's not capitulated. Putin was interfering with our election. Why hasn't Robert Mueller indicted him? Why hasn't Rod Rosenstein insisted that he be indicted? Why have the Democrats insisted that he be indicted? Why hasn't Bob Corker or Jeff Flake insisted he even be indicted? Are they serious about Russian interference in our election? No, they're not which is why they do a whole cover-up for the Obama administration's interference in our election. But lest we forget, December 2017, shortly before Donald Trump was to take office, Barack Milhouse, Barack Milhouse, well, I'll leave it at that. Barack Milhouse Obama spoke to the press and this issue came up about Russian interference in our election. Cut 21, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. Based on uniform intelligence assessments, the Russians were responsible for hacking the DNC. And that as a consequence, uh, it is important for us to review all elements of that and make sure that we are preventing that kind of interference Uh, through cyber attacks in the future. Uh, That should be a bipartisan issue. That shouldn't be a partisan issue. And uh, my hope is that the president-elect is going to similarly be concerned with making sure that we don't have potential foreign influence in our election process. In early September, when I saw President Putin in China, uh, I felt that the most effective way to ensure that that didn't happen, was to talk to him directly and tell him to cut it out, and there were going to be some serious consequences. Whoa, 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 stop there, Mr. Producer. So he told Putin to cut it out because Putin was interfering in our election. That is a first-hand witness account by a former (coughs) president of the United States who had access, I assume, to all kinds of intelligence saying that Putin interfered in our election. And he told him to cut it out. Cut it out. And yet Mr. Mueller has not indicted Mr. Putin because he's a coward. Democrats have not urged Mr. Mueller to indict Mr. Putin because they're frauds. Like many of the never-Trumpers and the neocons. They'll take it to a point, but they won't take it to its logical point. Go ahead. Uh, And in fact, we did not see further tampering of the election process. But the leaks through WikiLeaks had already occurred. Our goal continues to be to send a clear message to Russia or others not to do this to us because we can do stuff to you. Uh, But it is also important for us to do that in a thoughtful, methodical way. Some of it we do publicly. Some of it uh, we will do in a way that they know, but not everybody will. Oh, I see. So uh, at a press conference like you wouldn't say anything about it then. 
Did he say anything about it at a press conference? Did he say anything about it at a press conference with Putin or in a public showing with Putin? No, he didn't. And that was real time it was going on. It's going on in real time. So now they're asking the president after the fact, that is Trump, why didn't you raise Putin interfering with our election when Obama was president? And as you just heard him say, he chose not to do a hell of a lot about it. Certainly not publicly. But Trump, he, standing there at a press conference next to Putin, should have reamed out Putin where Obama would not and said that's not particularly effective. Is there a reason why that clip is not being played all over cable TV tonight? Is there a reason why that clip is not being played on network TV tonight? Yes. Because context is everything. And they're not giving you context, are they? It's a piece I found from the Washington Free Beacon by Bill Gertz, April 17, 2018. Despite an unprecedented Russian intelligence operation to influence the 2016 presidential election, former President Barack Obama rejected a plan to conduct retaliatory cyber action against Moscow during the campaign According to former CIA director John Brennan, now this John Brennan, as we know, is a sleazeball. And yet, listen to what he says. Brennan disclosed Sunday that Obama opposed a plan to carry out a cyber event against the Russians because the former president feared the action would lead to more aggressive interference by Moscow. He said there was consideration about rattling their cages with some type of cyber event, Brennan said during remarks to a journalism conference at the University of California, Berkeley. I don't believe there were any protests against him speaking there. But based on Obama's fears, the planned cyber action was shelved in favor of issuing vague warnings to Russian officials. Brennan did not elaborate on the cyber retaliation plan. He said President Obama was the ultimate decision maker on that in responding about a lack of response. The former CIA director defended the Obama administration's handling of what is widely viewed as a significant counterintelligence failure during the presidential election. After the election, Obama ordered the expulsion of 35 Russian intelligence officers. Both the FBI and CIA are charged with conducting counterintelligence, detecting and thwarting hostile intelligence operations. Both agencies failed to halt halt the Russians in 2016, either in the United States or abroad. U.S. officials have said the targeting of U.S. and foreign elections by Russia is continuing. Notice Obama said it had ended in September 2016, uh, and he was speaking in December 2017. It had not. President Trump in February criticized his predecessor in a tweet for failing to act. That is February 2018, if you can believe it. Why didn't Obama do something about the meddling? Why aren't Dems, uh, Dem crimes under investigation? Ask Jeff Session, he tweeted. This is something I've been raising for some time on Hannity, on my own shows. Now, the disclosure that Obama scrapped a cyber plan to retaliate against Moscow for election interference comes as a former senior counterintelligence official, Michelle Van Cleve, revealed in congressional testimony last week that the Obama administration weakened American counterintelligence programs by downgrading a top counterspy office. Brennan said he had great confidence the Russian influence operation was authorized and directed by President of Russia, Vladimir Putin, a former KGB intelligence officer. The Russian intelligence service also 
know what the mission is, he's quoted here, know what their capabilities are and will apply them to issues that are of interest to Russian national security, said. Brennan called the meddling unprecedented in terms of its scope and intensity and made full use of the digital domain. This is going on while he's the CIA director. And so we have multiple reports, and we have over time, that Barack Obama gave a stand-down order. The first indications of Russian interference were spotted in late 2015 and early 2016. And the operation was mentioned in press reports in the spring of 2016. By the summer of 2016, the operations were confirmed, Brennan said. Obama also made clear to the CIA that he did not want the agency doing anything, quote, in reality or in perception, unquote, that would have advanced the Russian disinformation and propaganda campaign. Quote, we were really trying to strike the right balance between doing everything we could to prevent and thwart, as well as to uncover and understand what the Russians were doing, without doing anything that would almost advance their interests in trying to disrupt our election. Very careful. In the middle of the election, Putin and his henchmen are interfering in the election. They have the goods. They have the DNA. They have the fingerprints. They're interfering. And Obama's silent. Doesn't say a thing. Not a word. Doesn't say anything. He pulled Putin aside in September in China and told him to cut it out, quote unquote. And Donald Trump, who was not president at the time, by God, you should have stood up there today and said, hey, Putin, look what you did. Look what you did. Admit it. Admit it now. I got the cuffs in my back pocket, and I'm going to cuff you and drag you off the damn stage. Is this a joke? It sounds like a joke. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You know, when you look at... Trump's policies towards Iran far more effective, far tougher than any of his predecessors since Reagan, Republican or Democrat. When you look at what he's done with North Korea, he hasn't given North Korea a damn thing. Nothing. Our military assets are still there. If Un reverses course, Nothing lost. But we're in the position with him having nukes as a result of these deals that were cut by prior administrations. And many of the people attacking Trump today worked in those prior administrations. Before Trump became president, Russia moved into Georgia, Crimea, and the Ukraine. Trump wasn't president when that happened. He's trying to build up NATO. He's trying to build up NATO. When the prior president was eviscerating the United States military, he's trying to build up our military. So I I understand uh, that people want to get all worked up, or people do get all worked up when the president makes statements, like some of the statements he made today, but it's not the end of the world. Step back. He's much more serious about national security and building up our defense and protecting our country than the prior administration was on its best day. And in many respects, he's been more effective 
than either the Bush administrations. And certainly more than the Clinton administration that helped arm the Chinese. And to watch these Democrats parade across the street, now that's pretty disgustingly hilarious, isn't it? All right. There's been another major security breach, and this one by the marketing firm Exactus, maybe the largest to date. The personal information of 230 million people was leaked. Identity theft has gotten so bad that for every two of you listening, the personal information for one of you has likely been exposed. You can't get messed around with this stuff, and you need a different kind of identity protection. I'm very proud to partner with My ID Care, a company that has been taking care of Fortune 500 companies for years. My ID Care will work with you personally. They cover you for the nine types of identity theft and provide best-in-class service. For less than 10 bucks a month, My ID Care can even help if you're already a victim. Now, I switched to My ID Care, and I'm encouraging you to do it, and I signed up my parents too. We don't want to worry about identity theft anymore, and neither should you. My listeners also get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark. Learn more, and then let My ID Care take care of you. That's myidcare.com slash mark, promo code mark. MyIDCare.com slash Mark, promo code Mark. One more time, lots of Marks in here. MyIDCare.com slash Mark, promo code Mark. So, people like to position themselves, they like to label themselves. I'm not into that. I'm not into that. For me, it's not either you attack Trump or you're a fraud and a sycophant who never stood for anything, or you defend Trump or you want him to fail and you're sabotaging him. I'll leave it to other people in media to play those games. And there are those games being played. There's lots of level of game levels. The Democrats were already organized to attack Trump no matter the outcome. And yet, they never attacked the former president of their party or his administration for allowing the interference. Have you ever heard Mark Warner talk about it? Adam Schiff? Rarely. Now and then, but rarely. How about the media? How about the media? No. No. You don't. So uh, the president has said things, sometimes goofy, sometimes inaccurate. And yet, when it comes, when the rubber hits the road and it really comes down to it, he's done some very outstanding things and he's been very tough. Very tough. There could be a method to all this, for all we know. Again, we don't know what took place during those two hours. But some of the criticism is absolutely insane. Like he's supposed to stand there and trash Putin. When in fact Obama would never stand up to Putin. And you're supposed to do it publicly in a press conference forum. Have you ever seen that before? With a, with a major hostile country? And yet when he says to our allies, hey boys, it's time to put up and shut up. You know, we need to rebuild NATO. You have to make your, you have to contribute your part. And Germany, what are you doing? You're funding Russia. That was last week, and he was trashed for that. Does that sound like somebody who's selling out to Russia? No, it doesn't. Does he seem like somebody who's selling out to China? No. And yet Obama bent over backwards for China, too. He did. 
So you're hearing a lot of hysteria, and you're seeing a lot of hysterics. And just keep in mind, a lot of these people who are saying these things, some of them are earnest, many of them are not. They're trying to make their cred right now. See me? I'm a conservative, but I don't put up with this crap. Well, how about providing a little bit of context? A little bit of context. It's not the end of the world. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Now, let's continue. This requires more than an hour discussion, then I'll take some of your calls. This is where some of the Trump folks are going to get mad, but so be it. And by Trump folks, I mean the White House folks, not you folks. When you're on an international stage, and you're standing there, you made the choice to meet with Vladimir Putin, which I think is perfectly fine. And you're asked a setup question, and that's what it is. Who do you believe, Vladimir Putin or your intelligence agencies? You have to be able. You have to be able to defend your own country verbally and do it in a way, in this case, that is not intended to destroy the entire purpose of the two hour discussion that they had in private. Obama would apologize for America. And we were furious about it. But despite the problems we've had with the senior levels of our intelligence agencies, and there have been considerable and quite serious problems with unmasking and even more, that's not the kind of stuff you air out there on an international stage, in my view. You just don't. I think what infuriates so many of you is the way the conduct of some of these entities have behaved in the United States and the way we can't seem to get to the bottom of their treacherous action during the last campaign and how the Democrats defend everything that helps the Democrats and hurts Trump. So I get that. But still, you don't hang the dirty laundry overseas, in my view. You just don't. And this is the reason some people are criticizing the president, but some people who are attacking the president most viciously attack him no matter what. And that's another thing that infuriates many of you. And I understand that. I also believe the President of the United States believes, rightly so, that he's been a victim of what is, in my view, if not the greatest scandal, one of the greatest scandals in American political history. And it involved the senior level of the FBI, and it involved senior levels of intelligence agencies. So he's furious about it, and I don't blame him. But you still really shouldn't do that overseas, in my view, particularly when you're standing next to Putin. 
So you don't need to bash Putin's brains in, but you don't need to bend over backwards either. I'm not trying to walk a fine line. I'm just saying this is, this is to me, the way you handle a situation like this. And, of course, the reporters there are always trying to do the gotcha and the gotcha and the gotcha. But we have some very interesting calls here. I don't normally jump into the calls necessarily, but I think they're interesting. I think there's a lot we can conclude from some of these calls. Who say a number of things I say, and as well as a number of things I wouldn't say. So let's take a look. Russ, Savannah, Georgia, the great WTKS. Go. Hello, Dave. Uh, just an observation. Now, now my name is Mark, not Dave. Sorry, sorry. I better get off on a better foot here. Okay, Mark. Uh, an observation in that uh, inadvertent, probably, but Trump may have played a master stroke and uh, played the people on this side of the pond and getting everybody upset and in arms because he is playing... Uh, let, me, let me help you, Russ. The president's already stepping back a little bit with a recent tweet. So it's not a master stroke. He's trying to address it. Like I said, inadvertent. I'm not too sure it was intentional or not. But he's in a position now where he can go back to Putin and say, hey, these mo- this mob on the other side of the water is like Frankenstein. They're up in arms. They don't like... No, he shouldn't do that to Putin. Putin is the enemy. And you don't start uh, consorting with or or buddy-buddy with the enemy. You know, this mob on this side, of, we, as, I, as I tried to say in my last comment, we may have our differences here. And unlike the left and the Democrats, Aldra Hiss, Ted Kennedy, uh, Alan Cranston, many uh, of you might remember, or um, those who went off to Iraq, and, uh, and those like, like Pelosi who went and met uh, the president of Syria and others who went to president of Nicaragua. And so we, we don't... We don't we don't use our enemies overseas as a way of bashing our adversaries here at home. No, I don't disagree with you there. I, I hardly agree with you there. You should not have done that. However, but, on the other, point, but on the other hand, when people act like this is the end of the world, it's nonsense. It's not the end of the world. He's, he has put in place policies that are far more substantive and effective in dealing with Russia than Obama ever did or could. And when you have people attacking this president who worked in that administration or supported that administration, it's really, uh, it's, it's really a joke. All right, Russ, thank you for your call, my friend. Let's go to Mark, Aurora, Colorado, Sirius Satellite. How are you? Hello, Mark. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Listen, I know you like Donald Trump. I know you claim the mantle of Reagan Republican, but... Under the concept of... I, I, don't, I don't claim anything, sir. I'm on here three hours a day, five days a week. I don't need interpreters. People know what I think and what I believe. Why don't you tell us what you think and what you believe? Okay. Well, so the, the base and, of Donald Trump, they, they think, oh, he's, he's this rich guy. He's a great negotiator. But in the past, he has never been a Republican. In the past, he has never been a Reagan conservative. What, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Because it's the way that whatever he does gets supported, and we... we I know, I know but, but we're having a discussion now about this. What does what you are saying have anything to do with anything? 
because he does get supported. Well, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I'm interested in your view, and you apparently don't have one. So my view All you're is, doing is trashing his supporters. He has never been a Reagan Republican. Fine. So what? Is he a Bush Republican? No, he's a Trump Republican. We're talking about what actually took place. So what are your comments on what took place? Okay. So, I mean, you keep, you keep going. All right, get out of here. You're, 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 you're monotonous. You're going to attack me. You're going to attack millions of people. I ask you your opinion on what took place. Uh, you and you take the mantle of this and these other guys here. It, you're, you're incoherent. There's plenty of shows that would string you along because you're incoherent. They think it's entertaining. I don't spend time with fools. Jerry, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, the great WSAU. Go. Hi, Mark. Thank you for taking my call, and God bless you for all you're trying to do to save the country. Well, okay, well my, thank you. My opinion of this whole garbage, farce, whatever you want to call it, is very simple, sir. I'm, I'm almost your dad's age. I'm 92. Wow. But, and I'm not senile yet. No, I've not at all. I've been the block, and I've, I've, I've seen farces like this, but not as bad as this one is. The Democrats and the elite of our big, most important intelligent agencies, our FBI and our CIA, are conspiring, because that's what I'm calling it, not collusion. I don't think it's collusion at all. I think it's a conspiracy. To do what? To do to tackle uh, Mr. Trump and what they want to do, of course, is uh, uh, impeach him, get him the hell out of there because they don't want uh, him to drain the swamp, and so they lose. They're going to lose their power and their jobs. And he's heading. He's certainly heading in the right direction. In my way of thinking. All right, Jerry. I appreciate your call, Kathy Scranton, Pennsylvania. Well, Kathy, you can't be listening on WMAL in Scranton, Pennsylvania, no, can you? WTRW. All right, W. What? I can't hear. WTRW. WTRW. Go ahead. Okay. If Brennan, the director of the CIA at the time Obama was leaving office in December 2016, was so concerned. Hello? Go ahead. If he was so concerned... Why did he do anything about it while he was CIA director? I'm with you, kid, and I and keep not saying only the that, same um, thing. I want to um, give um, a thought that I, I heard him say, um, Mr. Trump, our great president, say in his speech, he said, I would rather take a political risk in pursuit of peace rather than risk peace in pursuit of politics. Now, is that Churchill to you? Because he's starting to sound more Churchill. It's not really Churchill to me, no. It's, it's, a, it's a good phrase, um, and I liked it. That bust back from London, the Churchill bust, you know, Obama threw it out of the uh, Oval Office right. and gave it to London back, and now we'd like to have it back again. Is that possible? All right, ma'am, thank you for your call. All right, let's continue here. Let's see who else is out here. Let us go to Mike. Charlotte, South Carolina, Mark Levin app. Go ahead. Mark, I have not heard it laid out ever the way you just laid it out. And thank you, Counselor. It was phenomenal. Well, thank I you. I believe we have lost the art of watching what people do as opposed to what they say. Trump says one thing, and it seems to be diametrically opposed to what he does 
in fact. Compare Obama to it. He said one thing, and it sounded phenomenal, but he did the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. We need to watch the actions. This president is ultra-conservative. No, 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 no. He's not ultra-conservative. I've met with him. He would never agree that he's ultra-conservative. But he is quite conservative, uh, except when it comes to trade, in my view. But he is quite conservative. His foreign policy has been excellent, certainly up to now. It's been excellent. And uh, like I say, I know people are all worked up about the things he said and so forth and so on. Uh, but there's no question that he's tougher on Russia and will be tougher on Russia than Obama and, quite frankly, than George W. Bush, as far as I'm concerned. agree 100 percent because his actions, again, speak for themselves. He's reinstated the, the, uh, the sanctions and Putin. No, no, no. He, he did better than that. On Russia, he upped the sanctions. Look, he's given uh, he's given uh, significant weaponry to Ukraine. Obama wouldn't wouldn't do that. Uh, he doesn't get credit for the things that he does. He doesn't get credit for the things that he does. So they're sitting there waiting for him to say something. And he said a couple things today that I think were a mistake. But it's not the end of the world. And if you watch TV tonight, it is the end of the world, which is ridiculous. I agree wholeheartedly. Another thing he did is when he had a meeting with the Polish president or prime minister, I don't know what they have over there, is he brought up the subject of gas. Well, why don't you buy it from us? Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. Thanks for your call. We'll be right back. Mark in. See, people, people are... This is my point early in the first half. People are going to go to their corners and treat this as a political matter. It's not a political matter. Just be reasonable in the way you think about these things. The president made a few comments that I thought were kind of ridiculous, but he's also taken real effective action against Russia that are crucially important that Obama never took or would take. Moreover, the president is the victim, the victim of interference in the last campaign by the Obama administration. So he's very skeptical of these entities that he believes, and in many cases, rightly so, sought to thwart his election. And to watch all this hypercriticism and frenzied, phony reporting and pseudo-conservatives just flipping upside down all around over this like this... My God, we've never seen anything like this. It's really absurd. Absolutely absurd. Shouldn't lose any sleep over this. All right, let's see here. Let's go to, I'm looking, looking, looking. Uh, let us go to uh, Barney, Carbondale, Pennsylvania, the great WTRW. Go. Hello. Hello. Mark Levin, I just wanted to tell you that uh, it's a privilege to talk to you. I'm a first-time caller. I, I usually you. don't call these shows, but I wanted to just jump in on this. Go for it, baby. Well, I was I'd... comparing what the media is doing to the president with this and, and the last several years to the actual yellow journalism, William Randolph Hearst and so on and so forth. Those guys, and Mr. Pulitzer himself, actually inflaming and 
pretty much pushing American opinion into the Spanish-American War that far back. And in my opinion, we should be calling them for what they are, and I think you're the guy to do it. You're the guy to call them out on the carpet, these yellow journalists. Well, (laughs) I've been using this phrase, pseudo-journalism, pseudo-report. Did you hear my show last week or the week before where I spent almost three hours on this? Yes, I I uh, I have to miss two days a week because I have to go to work. All right, but my point is I can't I can't do it all over again if somebody misses the show. You understand? Well, what I mean. no, but I mean I meant the, we're, we keep using pseudo journalism. Well, you can real- use yellow journalism at the dinner table. I use the phrase that I choose to use <clears throat> because I think it's more accurate. People don't know what yellow journalism means. They do know what pseudo journalism means, and so I'll use the phrase I want to use, and you'll use the phrase you want to use. Oh, yeah, I respect that. I sure do. <laughs> Thanks for your call. What the hell's going on here? What is going on here? Dave, Chicago, Illinois, on the Mark Levin app. Let's step it up, Dave. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh, Mark. It's such an honor to talk to you. Oh, my gosh. I voted for you all times. Thank you. Congratulations on... on, on well, 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 how many times? I voted for you every single time I could. Every Boy, and you definitely time. are a Chicago guy. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I love your show, but let me tell you something. I am so aggravated with the left right now. Uh, Trump is doing everything that he promised to do. I mean, what what else do they <clears throat> expect from him? I mean, he. he all right, all right, all right. Let's 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 let let's let's focus. The discussion right now is what took place in place in Helsinki. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yes, I do. He, Go he ahead. I, I, don't, I don't agree with everything that he said. I think that he should have stepped it up a little bit more and, and, and defended. But you know something? What do we know about what was said behind closed doors? I already doors? said we have no idea. And you know what's interesting? Nobody even brings that up on, uh, on these different shows. They have no idea what was said. And for the left, they don't care what was said. They've been selling out to the Russians since the Russian Revolution. Uh, and... Oh. And for the Trump haters, they don't care what was said either. Go ahead. Obama, okay, Obama knew what was going on for eight years. He knew. He knew. Darn right. Well, what knew what? Putin was do, what, what Putin no, was he doing. knew. He knew for at, since at least 2015. But that's long enough, isn't it? Yes, it is long enough. Why? And let me and let me ask you this question. Maybe Obama couldn't do anything because he was doing the same thing to the Israelis and Netanyahu in their election. You ever think of that? Yes, I, I, that's exactly a great point. Thank you very much for bringing that up. I, I couldn't agree with you 100% more. I tell you. All right, Dave. Take care, buddy. We've got to go. I'll be right back. Conservatism. Call Mark now at 877-381-3811. What I am watching during the breaks, even on our favorite cable network, is truly astounding. Okay, you're criticizing the president and some of the things he said today. But you provide no perspective. You can do that, but why don't you at least talk about some of the things he's done some of the things that he's done with respect to Russia. Why aren't they doing that? 
and provide some context. Okay, maybe he shouldn't have said that. Maybe this was a misstep. But let's keep in mind, he did do this, he did do this, and he did do this. When Obama would go overseas and apologize, he meant it because it was an ideological matter for him. Nobody believes that with Trump. So they're standing, it's almost hilarious watching these people, very stern faces. This is where they're going to get their, uh, their cred now, you see. You're going to get your cred because you believe that our intelligence services are better than the Russians? That's a gimme. That's a gimme. But, but to watch CNN and some of these other entities... Say this is the worst thing since Neville Chamberlain and so forth and so on. This is crazy. That's insane. They're just teeing off, which is what they do. You know, two months ago it was Stormy Daniels. We just keep bouncing around like ping pong balls around here. So you can criticize the president for what he said. I've criticized the president in the past on a variety of issues. But nobody believes that he's soft on Russia. Who believes he's soft on Russia? The Russians don't believe it. The Russians don't believe it. Ask the Chinese if they think Trump is soft on them. Ask the Iranians. Ask the North Koreans. Again, I point out, we've been taking a step back on North Korea. So, You've got this hysteria. I mean, it's unbelievable what I'm watching right now. Again, you don't have to agree with what the president said, but he's had much tougher policies than most of his predecessors in dealing with Russia. Much tougher, including those who are attacking him right now. You've got an interesting collection, aggregate, of people who are involved in this. Left-wing kook Democrats who never uh, saw a uh, military spending bill they could ever support. People who've hated Trump from day one, even though he's trying to increase defense spending. The so-called neocons. People who supported the idea of withdrawing from the Iran deal, but then when Trump did it, are silent or critical. It's pretty incredible, don't you think? He hasn't shown in any respect that he would sell out to Putin or sell out to Xi or sell out to Un or sell out to uh, some Mollison. He hasn't done any of that. So, okay. You can be critical of something the president said, maybe it wasn't said well. But does anybody actually believe that he would embrace the Russians over our intelligence services? Of course not. He has not done it, as a matter of fact. Now. When Obama was in a position to actually do something about all this, he did next to nothing. And same with all of his his thugs. Did next to nothing. It's really appalling to me. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world, I promise you. Some people act like it is. Uh, Let's see here. And by the way, I'm, I'm not interested in calls that just says Trump's right all the time, Trump's right all the time. That, I don't do that. You can call another show. Something intelligent. What do you think about what's going on? Tom, Santa Barbara, California, XM Satellite. Go ahead. Uh, Mark, my question is, 
who sets up these junior reporters with the questions that they asked at the press conference today? Is it Jeff Zucker at CNN? I mean, obviously, it's their moment to shine or embarrass the president. I I don't think any executive has to do that. I think most of these people hate Trump, and they're looking for these gotcha moments. I mean, really, is it appropriate when the president is standing there with Putin to even ask the question? And by the way, uh, the fact that I'm raising this, oh, look at Mark, look at Hill saying, no. No, is that that really intended to get... uh, uh, a legitimate answer, or is it intended to do this, set off firecrackers? It's not intended to get a legitimate answer, and I agree with you. It could have been a misstep. That's a fair way to look at it. Every president has missteps, and Trump's been under incredible pressure, and I'll necessarily make excuses for that. But these, you know, no wonder people call your show and want to defend Trump because they see the mainstream media as simply, you know, an arm of the Democratic Party, and, uh, you know, there's profound level of mistrust. You know, the fourth estate is pretty much failed in its objective. And, 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 Tom, I think a lot of people understand that not everyone criticizing the president, but in the media, for the most part, they want to take him down. So this is the latest thing they'll hang their hat on, even if we don't agree with exactly everything the president said and maybe even be uh, troubled by some of the things the president said. The fact is we know the end goal of CNN and MSNBC and most of the rest of them is whatever it works, a porn star, uh, the Putin press conference, whatever it is, let's take them out. Yeah, it's the next shiny object, whatever that week is, because really the left, as of today, has no message for November at all. So they have nothing. What do you do? You go up against 3, 3.8%. And, and it's not just them, though. It's, I, I would argue that the media are even worse, because they have a lot more influence than a political party, per se. So you can have legitimate criticisms of the president. I think there are legitimate criticisms of some of what he said. But why don't you give it a little bit of background, a little bit of context, and say the next thing out of your mouth can say, even though, you know, he did not defend the intelligence agencies, on the other hand, what he has done in the past is he's done this with Russia, this with Russia, this with Russia. None of that. There's none of that. Can can I ask you one more question? Yes, sir. So... What is the collective, what in your opinion, maybe you back in the Beltway interact with these guys? I'm not in the Beltway. I'm outside the Beltway, purposely. Well, do you ever interact with people like Katie Tour or other low No, why, how, why would I interact with people like that? Oh, I just wondered if there is stupid... Why, why would I waste my precious time, my, my limited time on Earth to interact with somebody like that? Understood. You know what, sir? Let me tell you something. Maybe people don't know this. I don't interact with most people. Here and there, I was in a campaign event for Ron DeSantis in Florida over the weekend because he's outstanding and it was wonderful. And he had wonderful, wonderful people backing him too. And, uh, and, and that uh, I was a thrill to be there. But I don't hang out with leftists. Why would I? All right, Tom, thank you for your call. Why waste my time? Mark, you're not open-minded. Well, neither are they. Michael. Alexandria, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Yeah, I just wanted to throw up a quick thought. Uh, since when did the desire to avoid a thermonuclear war become an irrational position? When, when did that become what, what are you, what are you What are you talking about? Well, in other words, Trump, the, one of his reasons for not making the big confrontation, he doesn't want to provoke 
Russia doesn't want to... Okay, first of all, I don't think him confronting Putin there would result in a thermonuclear war, do you? Uh, perhaps a bit of hyperbole, but yes. you see what I, I mean, though. Why is it... Look, rash? the president needs to be a little bit more careful on how he talks about these things. For his own sake. For his own sake. He's got enemies out there with long knives, bayonets, ready to cut him off at the knees at every turn. Uh... So, I mean, when you're, when, you're, when you're dealing with something like this, it pays to be, be a little bit more careful. That said, what people are trying to do with what he said is not accurate either. They're trying to make the case that he's hostile to his intelligence services, all of them, that he's and so forth and so on. Uh, he's not, you know, he's a president who has talked about that. He hasn't done a thing to our intelligence services. He hasn't done a thing to Bob Mueller. He hasn't done a thing to Jeff Sessions or Rosenstein. He lets them do what it is they do. It's the rest of us who are criticizing most of them. And then he has some good reason for wanting to do something. I agree with you, but he hasn't. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. All the things they've said about this press. Oh, he's a dictator. Oh, he's threatening the press. Oh, he's doing this. Oh, he's doing that. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. Jeff, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mark Levin app. Go. Mark, brother. Yes, sir. Louisiana, love Levin, buddy. So glad to talk to you. Watched Thank the you. Last night. It was great. Love you. Love your show. All right. So if Trump answers <laughs> that question, does it, you know, that, yeah, I believe the intelligence services over Putin, if he does that publicly, doesn't he give credit to the very people that are trying to destroy him? Well, he's kind of he's said that today. He, he backed, backed up a little bit with a Twitter that essentially said that. No, I don't think so. Our problem isn't with the intelligence services in this country. It's the people who've been running them. Well, no, you're right. But they're, they're the people that are trying to destroy them, or at least part of, the, you know, part of the problem. So I was just thinking he's not Yeah, but, but Putin's trying to destroy him, too, and us, one way or another. Well, maybe so, but, you know. You, you, I, you, I, you, don't, you don't stand there with a guy like this, Putin. You, if you want to talk about our intelligence service, you do it right here at home. We would say the same thing if Obama did it. Yeah. And by the way, that, that, we want Trump to, 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 to succeed. It's a reason why I bring this up. I mean, I respond in the way that I do. And I also think the attacks on him right now are so over the top, it's outrageous. It's unbelievable. And I hope one day soon, whatever, you know, the stars line up and Trump pulls the plug on this whole this whole Russian nonsense. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. You know, you don't owe thousands to the IRS, do you? Probably not. So you don't know the depths of depression, sleeplessness, and anxiety my listener endured before taking my advice and calling Optima Tax Release. He owed over $40,000 to the IRS with no way to pay, much less the interest and penalties that compound daily. He was an IRS crosshairs, aggressive collection calls, threatening letters, if you want to know what Optima did for my listener and how little he ended up paying the IRS, go to OptimaTaxRelief.com. OptimaTaxRelief.com. Watch his verified video and prepare to be impressed. Now picture yourself with your IRS nightmare in your rear view. That's what Optima does. They know that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking people, families, homes, savings, paychecks that need protection. They resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for clients. Why put yourself and your family through this? Visit my friends at OptimaTaxRelief.com 
or call 800 499 6300. 800 499 6300. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. It's no secret that I love my Casper mattress. Their engineers have done a marvelous job creating an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. It's made falling into bed a whole new experience, as a matter of fact. Get it, Casper, and you'll understand why it's not just my favorite mattress, it's the Internet's, too. Casper has three unique mattresses to help you sleep cool and comfortably year-round. The Wave is engineered to relieve pressure at 36 different points. The original Casper is more breathable and comfortable than ever. And the essential is innovation at a great price point. All mattresses are designed to coddle and comfort your every move. We should know here in the Levin family, we have six of them. Plus, provide the perfect support for every position you sleep in. Discover why Casper has hundreds of thousands of happy customers like us. Try your Casper mattress for 100 nights in your own home with free shipping and returns. Now, you've heard me talk about this. Some of you have come close to making the order. You've got no risk. Go ahead and do it. Pull the trigger now. Go to casper.com slash mark and use code mark to save $50 on the purchase of select mattresses. That's casper.com slash mark code mark to save 50 bucks. Terms and conditions apply. See the site for details. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may have heard of this 28-year-old communist, I mean, Democratic Socialist elected out of New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she is said to be the future of the Democrat Party. You know what? I don't doubt that's the case. And she was questioned on a Little Watch PBS show that stole a name from Bill Buckley called Firing Line by Margaret Hoover, I believe a great-granddaughter of Herbert himself. But listen to this exchange. Cut 19. Go. The dynamic there in terms of geopolitics and the war in the Middle East is very different than Mm. people expressing their First Amendment right to protest. Well... Yes, but I also think that what people are... Uh, what, what is this, two teenagers talking? Doesn't that sound the way to you, Mr. Producer? Yeah, and what do you think? And this is where we are. Go ahead. To see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that, to me, is just where I tend to mm-hmm. come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh, um, I think it, what I meant is like the, the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue. No, no, I'm not the expert. Uh, I'm the expert on economics, being a democratic socialist and all. But the occupation of Palestine, I am sick of that phrase. How can the Jews be occupiers in Palestine? Does that make any sense to anybody? They're almost 4,000 years. They're occupiers. Is that a joke? Has anybody been anywhere 4,000 years, 3,500 years, give or take, and they're the occupiers? Since when? 
Well, I'm not an expert on geopolitics on this issue, but I know they're occupiers, the Jews and, the, and, the, and, the, and Palestine and uh, so forth and so on. Why do you think the name Palestinian was concocted? By Arafat. These are Arabs who call themselves Palestinians. You won't find Arab Palestinians in the Bible. Palestinians. Where did that come from? Well, they created the name. It's like progressive. They created that name or whatever. Occupation of Palestine. So what does that mean, occupation of Palestine? If you are people who have ancestors that go back three, four thousand years in a particular part of the world, how can you be an, like a temporary occupant? They, somehow you came in and took somebody else's property. This is the kind of sponge head that we deal with. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, I notice this hasn't received the national attention that it deserves, even though PBS has been pushing it out there left and right to try and get up their terrible ratings. But that's okay. Hey, didn't you love my show last night on Fox at 10 p.m. Eastern with Shelby Steele? I told you. I hope you didn't miss it. I told you he's unbelievable. We'll play a few clips next hour. Not the whole hour, but we'll play a few few clips because he was absolutely outstanding. But, you know, Alexandria Casero-Cortez, she wasn't done on the firing line show. Boy, did we miss Bill Buckley. Instead, we get, well, Margaret. Anyway, uh, and she attacks also capitalism, of which she knows nothing, too. We'll play that after. The break too. I'm not. I'm not going to do the uh, the Russian Helsinki Trump thing. Another hour. I've had it already. All right. You want to watch that? Turn on any television station. It's endless. It's monotonous. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to get back to uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. On TV, I guess it was yesterday. She won't come on my show. She won't come on my show. We've we've asked her to come on. She won't do it. Now you know why. She's a uh, she's a nitwit. But anyway, she's asked about uh, the economy. Cut twenty. Go now. The economy is going pretty strong, right? There's roughly four percent unemployment, three point nine percent unemployment. Um, do you think that? capitalism has failed to deliver for working-class Americans or is no longer the best vehicle for working-class Americans? Well, I I think the numbers that you just talked about is part of the problem, right? Because we look at these figures and we say, oh, unemployment... Okay, let's... let's, uh, not, Not to be a stickler. The numbers you just talked about is part of the problem. 
they are part of the problem. Right, Mr. Producer? All right, let's start from the top. Go ahead. Now, the economy is going pretty strong, right? There's roughly 4% unemployment, 3.9% unemployment. Um, Do you think that capitalism has failed to deliver for working-class Americans or is no longer the best vehicle for working-class Americans? Well, I I think the numbers that you just talked about is part of the problem, right? Because we look at these figures and we say, oh, unemployment is low, everything is fine, right? Well, unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Oh, oh, that's why it's low, because everyone has two jobs. Idiot. Go ahead. It's low because people are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and can barely feed their kids. And so I do think that right now when we have this no-holds-barred, Wild West hyper-capitalism, what that means is profit at any cost. Capitalism has not always existed in the world, and it will not always exist in the world. And she will be a member of Congress in short order. Now, I would love to have interviewed her, given her a real interview, and had a real chat about her ideology. Uh, But as I say, she will not come on the program. Now, a gentleman who did come on my program last night was Shelby Steele of the Hoover Institution. Brilliant man. He talks and writes about American culture, affirmative action, and so forth. Just want to give you a little taste of, uh, of this man's uh, intellect. I mean, he's, you can watch PBS or listen to that girl, or you can listen to my show and listen to Shelby Steele. Cut one, go. You wrote a few months ago in the Wall Street Journal on this so-called protest with the football players taking the knee during the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Among other things, you said, it's not surprising then that these black football players would don the mantle of protest, because you say protest is something that that black Americans have had to do for civil rights. You look at Martin Luther King, you look at Jackie Robinson in sports and so forth and so on. And you say the the surprise was that it didn't work this time. Uh, They had misread the historic moment. They were not speaking truth to power. Rather, they were figures of pathos, mindlessly loyal to a black identity that had run its course. So you say in the article, look, protest is a good thing. Protest sometimes is necessary, right, to get the vote, to get equal rights, to draw the attention of of of, of society and so forth. But this one fell on deaf ears. Explain. Well, um, protest is um, central to the evolution of black American culture. Uh, It was protest that really finally won our freedom for us. Uh, Beyond that, it's always interesting uh, to note that it expanded the idea of democracy. Democracy had all of the theory, all of the thinking, all of it had uh, before had, had never dealt with the clash between race and racism and, and democracy. Well, it was the civil rights movement. It was Martin Luther King who said, you have to, uh, you have to take, go beyond, uh, race even, that, that, that democracy is, is universal. So that's a big part of the black American identity. And, and it's sort of seen as the, the, the test of your authenticity as a black. 
Um, and yet this, this protest in the NFL made the point that uh, this was kind of fruitless at this point. Uh, and I think the central issue behind what you're, you're, you're talking about um, is the fact that the oppression of black Americans is over with. It's over with. It's over with. Uh, I, I grew up, I mean, it was, we, we never thought there'd be an end to oppression. I, I remember being a teenager, I never thought uh, that I'd live in a society that wasn't segregated. It happened. Now, are there exceptions? Yes, there are a few here and there. Will racism ever go completely go away? Uh, no, it's a part of the, as I say in that article, it's, it's endemic to the human condition, just as stupidity is endemic to the human condition. And so we'll always have to be on guard uh, about it. But we're at a point where the, the old-fashioned method of protest uh, is obsolete. We, we, we need a lot of things, but we don't need that anymore. We're at a point now where, where we, can, we are a free people and can pursue uh, our lives as we, as we would like to. Brilliant man. But he wasn't done. Cut two, go. We are not an oppressed people. Blacks are not an oppressed people. Quite frankly, Jews are not an oppressed people and so forth. This is America now. Mm -hmm. There is a history where there's oppression, obviously slavery, segregation and so forth. But that's gone. And you say, and so some people are having difficulty coping with liberty. What do you mean by that? Um, well, when you think about it, black American culture evolved over three and a half centuries, every minute of which uh, they lived under oppression. Uh, and they adapted to dealing with the, flat, the fact that their freedoms were going to be cut off. And they had to somehow make a life within all of those restrictions. And they did. And part of the, one of the, I think, black American culture is is nothing less than heroic. I mean, they evolved. Look at the, you know, the contribution like music and, and so forth. They, they achieved great things. Um, the one thing we never had uh, to do was to deal with freedom. That was precisely the thing that we deny. So that's not in our culture in a vivid, clear sense. Um, as, as it would be if we, if we had been free, truly free. Well, we now are free, and freedom is, as the existentialists, I think, rightly say, a burden. It's a difficulty. It puts the individual in the position of being much more responsible for themselves, their own development, um, as, as individuals, and, um, that's new for us. That's the, the idea is still that black unity, we just can be unified. That's the way ahead. Not anymore. You take yourself ahead. Uh, and that's, that's the, I think the, that's the new and, um, uh, stunning really fact of American life that, that we're, we're now facing and having to deal with. Save these football players who are successful. They're wealthy in comparison to other citizens, whatever they're raised. Mm-hmm. They beat me. They beat you. <laughs> they beat a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're treated with great respect, 
I mean, in terms of the, the fans love them, they want their autograph, they buy things with their numbers and their names on it, and yet they protest. What exactly are they protesting? They're, they're just stuck. Um, you know, again, one of the, the, one of the ways we adapted to not being free was to think that our group identity was, was again, the way we were being black and being down with the cause, that that was the way we were going we to get it. Unity was everything. Um, and if you are authentically black, uh, you're going to do what blacks have always done um, to one degree or another. You're going to protest. Well, um, the irony is that you're making $15 million a year. If you're, you know, you're making uh, vast amounts of money, doing successful in every way. You're free. There's nothing for you to protest. Nothing. How about social justice and equality and phrases like that? I hear that's what people say they're protesting. They got you got all the social justice you need. You got you know again. I lived through segregation. What we have, the freedom we have today is absolutely remarkable, and we as a people have not yet absorbed that. We've not absorbed the fact that our problem is no longer racism. Our problem is freedom. We have to learn to deal with freedom, and that. The only way to do that is to, it's going to have to be grounded in individual responsibility. That's the only chance you have with freedom, is to take charge of your, your life and make a life for yourself. Now, I'm going to play a couple more, two more short clips uh, after the break, but the response that I got from last night's show was incredible, absolutely incredible, because of Shelby Steele. See, we don't do the direct that's on PBS. Hey, the, the occupation of Palestine, uh, Palestine um, can you elaborate? Uh, I, actually, I can't. I'm, I'm not really up on the geopolitical stuff of that part of the world. And yet, I have a guest like this, Stellar. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Wonderful guest on uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin last night on the Fox News Channel, Shelby Steele. Cut three, go. Do you think part of the problem is the daily recitation of groupthink, group rights? You get it a lot in our universities and colleges. You see it on television a lot. Um, uh, Politicians balkanizing the nation in order to empower themselves and their party and so forth. Isn't that part of the problem? What what I think you're you're pointing to is um, definitely maybe the overriding problem, which is, and we don't talk about it very much at all, is white guilt. And that keeps feeding whatever whatever blacks are doing that's not helping them, thinking of themselves as... As, as nothing more than members of a group of protesting and so forth. It's white guilt that keeps feeding that. What is white guilt? We always, you know, it, we think, well, until I wake up in the morning and feel guilty about, you know, black Americans. No. Uh, white guilt doesn't have anything to do with actual feelings of guilt. White guilt is, a, is the terror of being seen as a racist. Uh, as a bigot, 
that now pervades American life. All our social policy, our, our culture, uh, everything is touched by this anxiety in most of white America, understandably, given America's history, that they're vulnerable. They have this vulnerability to being uh, disarmed of moral authority uh, uh, by being called a racist. I can use it as a weapon. I can say, you know, I went on a Levin show. Let me tell you the way I was treated. And big, it, it's going to, it explodes. Uh, so it, it constitutes, that is black power. White guilt is black power. They're, they're virtually one and the same. And one of the big problems we have is that you talk about universities and, and political correctness and so forth. These are all ways in which white Americans say, I'm innocent. I don't feel this way. I, I'm not a bigot. I'm not a racist. I'm, uh, I'm innocent. And their white guilt causes this drive to prove and establish innocence. And so then we have a whole generation of black leaders who do one thing and one thing only, milk white guilt. Incredible. Incredible. Very courageous man. Last clip. It's very short. Cut for a go. More and more when I watch these debates on television and so forth, people very easily, almost casually, call people they disagree with racists. If they disagree with a political agenda, if they disagree with a particular issue, and most of that's coming from the left. Yes. What do you make of that? Well, it's, um, it's, it's white guilt is, uh, is it, it, it dis meant to disarm you of moral authority. It's uh, they, when they scream racism all the time, they're saying, you're a racist. You don't have the moral authority to deal with whatever issue or problem we're dealing with uh, because you're, you're a racist. And so, therefore, you are morally compromised. Um, and you, your moral authority, uh, you don't have any moral authority. Uh, and I, and this is the seduction that the people on the left have fallen for. Uh, they then are given as a reward the idea of their innocence. It was really a great pleasure having him as a guest. And I hope you folks are enjoying the program on Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We really have wonderful guests. Some of them, some of them you know quite well. But the nature of the format exposes you and them to a whole lot more. People you might see on TV, you might have read about, or who may have written something you've read, and you learn more about them because of the format. It's a unique format. It's now being copied over there by PBS. It's being copied now by ABC, but we restarted it, the long-form interview format. And uh, almost to a guess, when I finish the interview... They say, boy, that went really fast. We could have talked for two or three hours, and we really could have. So I treat it like we're sitting at your dinner table or in your living room or, or in your den, and we're having a conversation, and uh, the program's for you. It's doing exceptionally well on the ratings, um, and I just hope you'll uh, continue to enjoy it. You enjoy it, I'll do it. If you don't, I'll stop doing it. We have a guest who you are totally familiar with this coming Sunday in, in terms of name recognition. I don't think you're totally familiar with him as a general matter, and that's Mike Huckabee. 
I have never sat down and had a conversation with Mike Huckabee. Never. I interviewed him a few times on radio, rather, you know, short segments. So I look forward to that as well. We have other wonderful guests coming in the future. We have professors and intellectuals and certain types of politicians that we like to talk to and uh, some entertainers as well. And um, we have people requesting to come on the program. Uh, but I... I don't necessarily tie the show to the news of the day, like Shelby Steele. There's a brilliant man I felt we ought to talk to, and he did bring up issues of the day, which is good. But that's not why he's there. He's there to expose all of us to a remarkable, brilliant way of thinking. And there'll be others, so I hope you enjoy it. We'll be right back. Then show the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now. 877-381-3811. For all you Trey Gowdy fans out there, he always disappoints. Over the weekend, he said, no, I wouldn't support impeaching Rosenstein. What the hell has he done to be impeached for? He's not as smart as some people think, including himself. And then again, he went and defended Bob Mueller. So he's in this committee. He's pounding away at the FBI. He's pounding away at the Department of Justice. He's on and on and on. And then in the end, he does nothing. Nothing. What has he done exactly? When he chaired that committee on Benghazi, what did they do? What did they do? What did you learn from him? Nothing. I can tell him why Rosenstein should be impeached, because he seized power from the Attorney General of the United States, in addition to everything else, and conferred it upon Mr. Mueller. Does that bother Mr. Galley? Um, among other things, he has slow-walked the production of documents in the past to Congress. That seems like a big deal to me. He's made threats to staffers, including... According to staffers, um, uh, that they might face investigation if they continue to press. That seems like a big problem to me. He uh, signed an extension on the uh, FISA warrant, never recused himself. Uh, he recommended the firing of Comey, never recused himself. Do you need anything else, Trey? I, I know you're a genius. Do you need anything else? And then, of course, he, uh, he said, you know, he thinks Mueller's doing a grand old job. Mueller just indicted 12 Russians who will never see the inside of a courtroom. I said this on Friday. What an incredible waste of time. Mueller, under Mueller, they potentially could send an honorable man to prison who felt like he had to plead guilty to a false statement, even though the FBI earlier had concluded that, no, he was just confused. And who interviewed him? Mr. Stroke. under the auspices of the special counsel's office. But Mr. Gowdy thinks that's all great. No problem. What's the issue? Uh, so Mr. Gowdy has very poor judgment in my view. He's very good when the camera's on. He's got the drama. He's got that down. He's very good. So, so Mr. Stroke, 
When you said F. Trump, how could that not be biased, Mr. Stroke? Well, of course it's biased, Mr. Stroke. I don't give a damn what you think's appropriate. Yay! Yay, Trey! Yay! And then what? Nothing. Just saying. I have nothing against it. I've never met the guy in my life. But I call him as I see him, as I say. And I'm not seeing much with this guy. I see Joe Biden's going to ramp up campaigning for Democrat candidates after Labor Day. So I see the stupid headline and I think to myself, that means he'll be out there among the media. Will the media ask the vice president of the United States what he did about Russian interference in the last election? Will he? No. He won't. He won't be asked. Why? I mean, Mike Pence has asked about it. He's the vice president. He has nothing to do with any of it. I don't know, Mike. Come on now, Mike. Do you believe these guys or these guys? How about Biden? You know, they used to brag over there in the Obama administration that Joe Biden was the most involved vice president in American history. Now, nobody, they always say this. Nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. If that's the case, that's pretty scary. The dumbest man to ever be vice president was also the dumbest man to ever be a senator. And they hold him out like he's some genius. Remember what he did to Robert Bork and Clarence Tom? All of a sudden, everybody forgets. It's like Anthony Kennedy. What? The great Anthony Kennedy. Great my you-know-what. He was awful. But Anthony Kennedy, excuse me, but Joe Biden's going to be out there. Joe, can you tell us, and he's 75. Joe, can you tell us what you, uh, what you and your boss, Obama, and the rest did to prevent the Russians from interfering in our election? You, lunch bucket, Joe. Guy's never had a lunch bucket in his life. Lunch bucket, Joe. He had to stop calling himself Lunch Bucket Joe when I called him out on this. Pro- Joe, you never had a lunch bucket. You're not a Lunch Bucket Joe. You, uh, you went to law school. You almost flunked out. And then you got elected to the uh, Wilmington City Council because they have very high standards there. And then uh, you got elected to the Senate when you were 29. You were sworn in when you were 30. There you go. Lunch Bucket Joe. <laughs> All right. Let's see who else. I, I, I don't want to discuss uh, Trump and Helsinki. I, I'm sick of it. You want to watch it? Turn on the TV. They can't stop. And all the somber faces from the radical left Marxists, all of a sudden they don't like Russia, to the never Trumpers, to all the other people, very earnest. Oh, my God. What did he do? No, he, really, he really needs to fix this and so forth. He already did. He put out a Twitter, a tweet rather on Twitter. Put out a Tweety Bird out there. And uh, you don't have to agree with everything he said, but you know damn well he's not selling us out to the Russians. You think he's Obama for crying out loud? He's not Obama. And I would remind the uh, Democrat leader there in the Senate, that uh, Chuck Schumer, Alger Hiss, that's your guy. Ted Kennedy, when he was cavorting with the Kremlin, that's your guy. Alan Cranston, also another one, uh, when he was senator from, that's your guy. Nancy Pelosi, when she was meeting the, uh, the uh, dictator's father, the other dictator, that's your gal. What was that guy's name? Bonnier. Remember him from Michigan? Meeting uh, Ortega down there in Nicaragua? 
Remember that? He's still down there, Ortega Nicaragua. People are trying to rise up against him, so he's having them shot in the streets. That's your party. Remember Jim Wright meeting with the same people? That's your party. Playing footsie with the commies. Also, remember Barack Obama with Medvedev? Remember him? The pawn president to uh, Putin? Uh, Listen, tell Vlad, uh, after the election, I'll be far more flexible. Okay, I tell him. And he's there with Raul Castro. Look at us. We're opening a new embassy. What do they do? They attack our embassy uh, staff with this high sound, whatever they did. Some have brain damage. Some can't hear anymore. Oh, wonder why they did that. You wonder why Castro did that? Really? Raul? Let us go to Ty in Gaffney, South Carolina, XM Satellite. How are you, Ty? Hey, Mark. I'm good. How about you? Very well. Thank you. Hey, I'd like to continue on the conversation you were having when you were interviewing that guest on your show about the race. Shelby Steele. Yes, yes, Shelby sir. Steele. Um, well, I'm about 15 years old. I'm probably one of your youngest viewers on this show. And uh, I'd like to talk about the divide that stuff causes between racism. I love the, the comments he was making because... I'm in high school, you see, and the problem is the the divide between the white and the black. It's just getting ridiculous. Um, and being a Trump supporter myself, you know, it's dangerous because I have been personally told myself that I owe somebody because I'm white. You know? Okay, you don't owe anybody. What You're do you 15 mean? 15 years old, you haven't done a damn thing. You don't owe anybody anything. <laughs> well, I'm talking about in high school. Well, what do you owe, and to whom do you owe it? The black. Because, you see, in high school, there's such a divide because you got these people and these people and what people believe. It's just getting so ridiculous nowadays because uh, a person has told me because I'm white, I owe them. Okay, well, you tell them I'm I'm white, you can say, but I'm also an individual human being, and I don't owe you anything. I haven't done anything to you. We live in a free country. Now go live your life. Right. It's the divide we have in our country. Yeah, and I, I, I understand, and, there, and it is, it's getting worse and worse, unfortunately. And the politicians, they breed this stuff. They push this stuff because it benefits them more than anyone else. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. All right, let's get another call in here. One second, please. Uh, James, Spokane, Washington, the great K-O-Z-E. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, Scott. How about yourself? Scott, <laughs> what, what is with the names, people? Like, one guy called me Dave, Scott. You can call me Mark. Oh, it's all right. Oh, my God, Mark. Well, you know, your picture and what I imagine, I only listened to you on the radio. I finally saw a picture of you. It was two different ideas. Yes, anyway. handsome devil, I know, but get over it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Um, no, I was, I was thinking about that wonderful guest. That you, I heard you speaking about it, and I don't go on by, I don't go to the TV. I avoid the TV. It's like the plague. There's nothing there for me. Usually I drive a lot, so I listen to the radio. And anyways, Steele, your, your guest, you're Steele, and you were comparing him to the guest from Mrs. Hoover. You shouldn't really lower yourself to her level because <laughs> what you, what I heard from you and, and what I heard from them was like, you guys are talking about like, like kid games here, whereas your ideas and his ideas, which were more important, which is what you do, you you bring out their ideas to the front. And, you know, Mr. Steele was great. He was awesome. Yeah, he was. And And he is. And that's why I I treat, and, you know, your last caller, just treat people how you want to be treated. 
That's a good like the golden rule, like baby, don't, right? Don't, yeah, don't don't try to make games out of you know. Oh, he's black, I should be like this, or he's white, I should be like that. Just don't do that. It's it's a right. waste of your time. And Mark, don't compare yourself to Mrs. Hoover. I I really wasn't, to be honest with you. But thank you for your call, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, let me let me get back here. Mr. Producer's in my ear. Uh, hold on, hold on. Here we go. There it is. Would you pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for a government-run health care system? How about an organization that scripted portions of the Obama White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of the Unaffordable Care Act? Or an organization that stood against tax cuts for middle-class Americans and small business owners? Would you join that organization? Are you a member of that organization? It's called the AARP. Join AMAC instead. It's the conservative alternative. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit and discount the AARP offers, but without the liberal agenda. And let me tell you something. They are great benefits and discounts, too. Become an AMAC member right now at amac.us. Wouldn't you rather belong to an organization that fights for your values, like protecting our borders by enforcing common sense, immigration laws that are already on the books, supporting small business and standing up for the individual and your God-given freedoms? Well, that's AMAC. AMAC is the way to go. There's a ton of work to be done, and AMAC is asking your help and help them fight the good fight by becoming a member today. The benefits are great. The cause is even greater. Join right now at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. A-M-A-C dot U-S. AMAC is better, better for you, and better for America. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. used to be hard, multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring could be easy, and uh, you only have to go to one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N, Levin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter actually analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Now, with results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive website address. Ready? ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Amen to that. All right, let's jump in. Ed, Starbridge, Massachusetts, Sirius Satellite, go, sir. Mark, it's such an honor to talk to you, the great American... Thank you, sir. I can tell you, sir, that last night's show was one of the best I've heard. I've watched every single one. It's fantastic. I absolutely love the show. It's so intellectually satisfying. 
it really brings tears to my eyes when I watch it. Last night, this man articulated what I've been thinking for years. What, an, what a fantastic show that was. I just wanted to let you know, Mark, you're doing a great job. We love you, and keep up the good work. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Lots of love out there, and I do appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that you watch it. It's good for the end of the weekend, you know, kind of wind down, get some food for your brain, I think. Mike, Ardmore, Oklahoma, Sirius Satellite, go. Again, Mark, thanks uh, for the shows with Mr. Steele and Mr. Sinise. They're very riveting. Uh, I feel like I should call you Professor Levin because <laughs> if I miss your show, I, I can't get notes from somebody that does does justice. But uh, well, my question you. for Senora Cortez, she said we didn't have capitalism in during our colonial times. My question would be, a, how did we survive, and what kind of system does she think we had? You know, it's really quite amazing. She she is indoctrinated by some professor, I guess, or some group, and she takes a little nugget of what they say, and she runs with it. Maybe it wasn't called capitalism, but it was the free exchange of goods and services uh, in exchange for other goods and services or payment. And it's been going on a very, very long time, thousands and thousands of years, actually. She's a nitwit. Let's just admit it. All right, Mike. God bless you, my friend. Dirk, Dallas, Texas, the W, the great WBAP. Quickly, sir, go. Uh, Yes, I noticed when uh, Cortez was asked by the host what she meant by the occupation of Palestine, her Mm -hmm. response was, well, what I think I meant was... Yeah. She obviously didn't know what she meant. She was just <laughs> repeating lines. Yeah, she goes through the uh, checklist of the hard left, but that tells you something about the hard left, doesn't it, Dirk? It does. They're they're very hostile to the state of Israel. Why is that, do you think? Uh, because they're on the side of, uh, they're against what's good and right in the world. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend, appreciate that. That gets to the nub of it, doesn't it? All right, where are we, Mr. Producer? How much time do I have left? How much time do I have left? All right, thank you. Let's go to caller number four. Take it blind. Go. You're on the air, sir. We're trying something new here. Go. Oh, for crying out loud. Who are you talking to? You're on the air. Mark Levin. Who am I talking to? You're talking to Barbara. Go, Barbara. No, he's he's talking already under someone. Barbara, else. please speak now, or forever oh, okay. hold yourself. I am. I'm, I'm wondering about all these morons who are busy criticizing Mr. Trump. What do they think he walks on water? He doesn't get his ankles wet once in a while. The same as we all do. I am so fed up with all these people complaining. It's not even true. Well, you better shut the TV tonight, then. Even own a TV. I'm you a don't? radio listener. I don't own a TV. That's how that one goes. So you're hearing I, these people on radio, then? That's all I do is listen to Mark Levin on the radio. That's it. Well, I can't say I blame you. I love that. All right, I my friend. I, I appreciate it, Barbara. <laughs> well, I have to listen to Mark Levin because I am Mark Levin, and I'm doing the radio show. Well, it's good to be back this Monday, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's crazy out there, but we'll, we'll work our way through it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'll see you tomorrow, America. God bless and take care.